is episode 327 for September 2014, and this episode is sponsored by Thwip Studios. They're a fan-made YouTube channel dedicated to adapting Spider-Man comics for the fans, and they bring them to life with motion comic animators and professional voice actors, including myself and JR, and you definitely want to hear JR voicing Norman Osborn. That is quite the treat. Anyway, they bring them to life. It's a motion comic, and they've uh, brought to life Craven's Last Hunt by J.M.D. Mateus and Mike Zeck, When Cometh the Commuter by Peter David, and The Death of Gene DeWolf, another Peter David classic. I love all three of those stories, and they were put together quite well on their YouTube channel. Every two weeks, a new episode is posted, and uh, they'd like you to subscribe and add some comments and suggestions of what you'd like to see them adapt in the future. And if you'd like to visit them, here is their YouTube address. It's youtube.com slash user slash Thwip Studios. T-H-W-I-P-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. Let's do it one more time. YouTube.com slash user slash Thwip Studios. T-H-W-I-P-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. Check them out, gang. They're a great channel. On with the show. Hey, Crawl Spacers, time to tackle two reviews this month. We're going to tackle Amazing Spider-Man number 6, and we have Amazing Spider-Man number 1.4. Uh, JR, take us through ASM number 6. Well, this is, uh, I think, either part 2 or 3 of the first adventure of the character that you demanded, uh, Silk. Uh, you said you wanted to see more of, particularly, uh, fake Mike, you know, was, uh, expressed excitement about seeing her. Uh, oh, did I ever. Which, <laughs> then, which then he quickly decided to go Orwellian on us and then pretend he never said that. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, anyway, so we, you know, we've had, we've got this great adventure going on and, and uh so Peter Parker was give, is given an interview on the Fact Channel which is the uh uh another Marvel attempt to satirize Fox News and and uh the Black Cat th- you know decides to threaten to 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 kill Peter if Spider his pal Spider-Man doesn't show up wink wink uh and then of course Spider-Man shows up and we have this great cliffhanger where they're th- you know Jonah's uh, got the mic and Black Cat's got Spider-Man you know he's he's immobilized and they're going to take his mask off and oh boy we are all supposed to really think you know that this could really happen you know Civil War Part 2 Exactly <laughs> after all the crap we went through on Civil War and uh, the the psychic mind block and red pigeons and things like that uh-huh. uh so you know as we we eagerly get number 6 um and uh, we find out which I forget who called it last time uh but uh, maybe maybe it was fake Mike again but uh guess <laughs> what silk saves the day didn't yep. see that happening <laughs> <laughs> Boy, just didn't see that happening. Silk comes in and saves the day. Black Cat has ripped Peter's mask off, but Jonah is standing right in the way. Between Jonah and the, and the camera's way and the bad lighting, nobody can see his face. And Silk webs his face up and saves him. Bump, bump, bump. You know. And then, of course, the Black Cat goes. You know, she says, "Ah, well, you know, Spider-Man's got some extra muscle." You know, so. Uh, which then again, but I don't know. Is she referring to his muscle the same way that Tigra was referring to his muscle in the uh, Civil War novel? Anyway, so she goes. By the way, real quick to interrupt. 
how did Spider-Man become incapacitated? It's been a while since I read number five. He was when electrocuted I read this. by Electro. He got hit by okay, a so strange bolt. Okay, so that's why he's just comatose on the ground. Well, okay. yeah, that's yeah, why I, he's very, barely speaking and everything like this, even though he still it, okay. has coherent thoughts going on. So, but He just uh, can't really move because of Electro. And, and he tee-teed a little. And what? <laughs> he tee-teed a little. Shocking. Go ahead, JR. <laughs> well, then we just have uh, a ridiculous subplot here. The black cat goes to the bar with no name, tries to recruit people, but uh, since she's working with Electro, and, you know, Electro, I guess, you know, during sex fried their favorite bar floozy Francine, uh, you know, the black cat's not welcome anymore. Yeah, nobody cares. Uh, good Lord. You know, I honestly... I read this once, and I was thinking, and you know, I was coming back home today, and I thinking, I was thinking, well, you know what? I'll read it again and take some notes, and mm-hmm. it didn't even remotely interest me enough to read it again and take notes. Uh, but, but Peter's device, uh, the Parker Industries has devised some device that's going to uh, take cure Electro uh, of his powers. Uh, but the black cat decides, and they're going to have a public demonstration, but the black cat decides that she's going to invade this demonstration, and she's going to, the machine's going to be rigged to where it actually amps Electro's powers. Well, we find out that, uh, you know, but uh, and Anna Maria is driving Peter and Silk to uh, this location, and they're trying to dry hump each other in the back seat. <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, we find out that Silk's, you know, I mean, not, not only is she got spider powers, but, of course, hers are all better than Peter. You know, yep. uh, because, you know, his, her, her spider sense is better than Peter's. Uh, and Everything she does in this book is better than Peter's. Yes, yes. And during the, yeah. during the climactic battle, her webs are better than, than Peter's because they're porous. Or She's perfect because Slot told you she's perfect. She's, Go she's ahead. even more perfect than Carly Cooper was perfect. She is perfect. But uh, so anyway, anyway, there's this 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 ridiculous battle. Uh, Ele- uh, uh, Black Cat decides to amp up Electro. Spider Man decides that he can't. You know that Electro's going to blow up and die unless he gives him a big bear hug. Uh, and then, uh, good lord! And, and then. <laughs> what happens here? What happens here? Oh yeah, Silk spins all kinds of webs around him and saves the day again. Yep. And then Silk gets a job at Jonah's TV station. The black cat goes back to recruiting thugs, and now she's going to be the queen of crime, queen of the thieves, queen of crime, queen of this whole town, and nothing and no one are going to get in my way. Yawn, yawn, yawn. Uh <laughs> And then we, 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 and then, you know, Peter's saying, boy, that's really cool. I've cured Electro, and this is just the first of numerous supervillains that I've cured. And meanwhile, Sajani and, and Anna Maria are going to work behind his back to, uh, make sure that such a thing never happens. Uh, that's the end of part six. And, oh, are we going to lead in a Spider-Verse again or something? Because we name-checked Moreland, you know, so just so you don't yeah. forget that he's out there as well for this breathtaking. Right. What, what, what is my grade? Well, I, I won't yeah. give it a D because I I think D's, uh, I'm starting to get offended and mad at stories when I start to give them a D. This is a C minus minus. This was a bore, a crushing bore, you know, and, and uh, I, I, whereas I wouldn't call Silk a Mary Sue character because I think a Mary Sue character is an idealized version of the, the writer, but uh, this is just, I mean, this... You know, th- this is a setup for you know. This is a wonderful character. You've got to go in and spend three ninety nine for the the book that, of theirs that's coming out. Utter waste of time, folks. Yep. 
Uh, let's go around the horn for grades. George, what was your grade on this one? C. Uh, Mike? D plus. C plus. No, D. D plus. Oh, oh D plus. Yeah, yes. D as in Dora, dog, all that stuff. D as in dirty. Yes. So let me get this straight. Uh, what was what was JR's again? C minus. C minus minus. I, I'm also C minus minus. George has given a higher grade to a Spider-Man comic than I. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell happened here? Uh, <laughs> take that iTunes reviews. Uh, <laughs> let Let's go around the horn for pros. What was good? I'll I'll submit one. I enjoyed uh, J- the Jameson bit at the beginning. I enjoyed him get just flubbing up his one moment to shine on television by he blocked the hero with his ass. I thought that was just that that was the highlight of the book. That was my pro as well. But, yeah. I'll, but I'll get what, more into that when we get into uh, Any other pros? What, what else did you guys like from it? George, you had the most likes with the highest grade. Go ahead. What did pros. you like? Okay, let me hear it. Let me hear uh, it. Number one, uh, I like the art. Yeah. Uh, number two. I like the art too. Because I like Humberto Ramos. Number two, uh, no Avengers this issue. You know, I, yeah. that's a plus any time that actually happens. I don't, well, I, I can't remember if they were in last – no, they were in last month's issue, weren't they? Because of the or, uh, origin or uh, original sin. <clears throat> so there were no Avengers this issue. And also, and we've said this many times, Slot is at his best when he's writing Anna Maria. Yes, Anna Maria was a pro from the book. I would agree. Or whenever he's writing Otto as Peter. Mm-hmm. Those are his really strong points. Um, early on, because I – there was – in this – for the first time in reading Dan Slott's work, I actually had a, a sort of epiphany about the character through the narrative, and I wasn't expecting it. I was shocked when it happened. I was like, oh. An epiphany of Spider-Man or Anna Maria? Okay, what well, would you – fine. Um, you know, it's during the thing, you know, and they're showing everybody in, in shocked angst, you know, right before Peter's about to get a mask, and, they're, you know, everybody's all pensive and everything. And she's mm-hmm. looking at it, and l- let me exactly, you know, you've got jo- Jonah freaking out, you know, and, and you've got uh, uh, Aunt May and um, uh, Uncle Ben's placeholder. And then, um, you know, you've got <laughs> the, the Daily Beagle newsroom. But Anna Maria is the most shocked. And it's not, and and she, you know, she's very worried. But and her lines, you know, the the words that she says, she says, now everyone will know. And she looks very horrified by that. And then I, it, it hit me. I was like, she's not worried about the world knowing he's Peter. She's worried about her and how she may be less special since she's not in the inner circle that knows he's Peter. Now, if the whole world knows, mm. and 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 that was a very subtle thing, and. and I appreciated it. I was like, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had a moment like that reading Dan Slott stuff before. I mean, overall, the the issue is subpar, just like Jr. said, and just like still a nerd's about to say. But <laughs> um, uh, but that one moment, I was like, you know what? That good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Good good work out of that. Uh, Mike, what was your pros? Okay, well, about that, um, I actually also like the opening segment. Um, the opening. Yeah. Um, I just like well. Jo- the way I like, one of the up, reasons yeah. why I liked it is why I like the thing is mainly because of the way it was composed. Because you have those series of panels, and it's a setup so that you think it's going to be that they are reacting to Peter being unmasked. When in actuality, yeah. it's they're just reacting to how inept and incompetent Jonah is, which yeah. 
I don't think. And yeah, granted, it's a little silly that Jonah's standing in front of the camera. And yeah, I know, Brad, that you're kind of in uh, broadcast news. Now, there's more than one. Should be normally there should be more than one camera operating on that thing, right? And you can actually yes. move those. You can actually move. The guy could. It's not like the guy had to stay put in that one spot with the camera. He could have moved it. And they're probably at like a Fox TV. They're they're remote controlled. Yeah, and it's not like and black cat. And it's not, and it's not like with black cat was holding Peter. She couldn't like you know tilt her head downwards and see who he, she was. Or but, the director could just have multiple but, cameras on. The but same anyway, scene. but no. But in the beginning, <laughs> it was like oh, it's yeah. kind of you know that's kind of a little bit slightly clever in the way it was kind of the way they did kind of the transport you know. The way they kind of juxtapose those, those two first two pages, like, and I was thinking, oh, okay, this is like, this, you know, it's a little silly, but it's clever. So, yeah. uh, but then, well, 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 we'll get into the, I'll get into the comments. Jr. Pros out of you, anything else you liked or no? Anything that we said you agreed with? Did you like the Jonah opening? He's making an ass of himself on his first day. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, no, because it, it's yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you like Jonah scenes, generally. No, I, well, I, I, I like what they're. I, th- I like the idea of Jonah doing this whole TV show bit. But see, here's the thing. I mean, the thing with will the superhero get unmasked? I mean, that's a su- You know, it's 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 a superhero trope. It's like the diabolical death trap. You know, the superhero is not going to get unmasked. Just as you know, he's not going to die in the diabolical death trap. But the thing is, we had such a big, like you said, civil war. I mean, you know, it was such a big thing and ter- and turned into such a big deal that was essentially then undone. Really, I mean, it, it, as a trope, it's not effective anymore. I would. I was going to say a similar thing that what you just yeah, said. I mean, that's just not. It doesn't work. It's not like. I think unless the longtime reader, which is all of us, this that that cliffhanger doesn't work. No, because you know that it, it's one thing. You yeah. know the, the whole idea is of of one of these things is you know in you know that it's not going to happen. But in the back of your mind, you know you're thinking, ooh, the suspense. There's a possibility, or how will the hero get out of this? You know, that's kind of the yes. thing. It's not so much that he'll get out; it's how he'll get out of it. But because it has been done, and then it was undone, it's just—it's not. It, it just simply is not effective. It's a bore, and therefore, however they got out of it was going to be a bore. And you know, you knew Jonah was going to make a buffoon of himself, uh, and then you knew Silk was going to save the day. Uh, it just yeah. there, there just was nothing remotely interesting about this. Not, uh, saw, saw it coming fairly obviously. Exactly. Well, Let's go around the horn for cons. One of my. Cons was uh, the the hero of the book was not the hero of the book. The Silk was very much the hero of the book, and I don't think Spider Man did very much in this book. The, oh. Like in, in your review, Mike, you said that uh, you looked a lot more heroic in the VHS tapes. I used to. this is, the slot is. So that was, really that was that was actually I think it was Andrew Roebuck who put that. Oh, oh, Andrew said that. Yeah, he, he, he pulled that out. He pulled that too. quote out. Correct, by the way. So. and it's very correct. The VHS. VHS tapes replace that with the comic books we used to read. Mm-hmm. He was a lot more heroic. Oh than this. yeah, he didn't need a, a, a three-issue old character saving his butt every five yeah. minutes. You know, by, by the way, you know what really got me about Silk? Okay, because aside from the fact that you know here she is, you know, save of course saving Spider-Man, and the fact that not only can she dodge Electra's lightning, but somehow Felicia's bad luck powers don't work on her for reasons. Um, 
it's when they're after they're making out in the car after she and Peter are making out in the car making out again in that backseat of that uh, you know Mini Cooper or smart car or whatever it is you know <laughs> and then so they're about to go in the battle and then she goes oh let me whip up some insulated webbing yeah and then you got and then you got to the point where later with the helicopters crashes oh well let me whip up some porous webbing and I was thinking I mean what's next oh you're gonna are you gonna make some webbing so you can slingshot yourself around the earth and you can go at super speed and rotate the earth's access backwards and go back in time now I mean <laughs> what the heck I mean it's just it's almost like she has a solution for everything yeah it was like but, it was like yeah. almost to the point where it just literally this character I mean the <clears> fact <throat> that we, we won't point out the fact that she you know rescues Spider-Man no less than three times. The fact that she's so for someone who is supposed to have been in isolation for what is it, ten years, how yeah. it seems to be like she's all happy. I mean, no psychological problem seems whatsoever, and she's making clips and everything like Spider-Man does. The fact that she is able to land a job despite having this huge gap in her work history and oh no well, doubt not even high, no not not a high school and it's not even graduate from high school i mean because it even says on her official bio that she's not a high school graduate yeah she says oh now she lands this internship like within a week no problem so i mean it's just that you can just tell that they are really 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 trying to push this character and and that and it's not to say that i'm not you know it's not to, not against the idea of having strong female characters in comic books or anything like this but sometimes you can over, you know, this is a little bit kind of going a little bit over the top here. And the fact that, yeah. you know, yeah, it was just, I was doubt that when, when she was started doing that stuff with the web things, I was like, that's when I mentally checked out at that point. And when, and uh, George, when you said that, thank God the Avengers aren't in it, the idea of the Avengers are in it because they're saving our hero of the book. The Silk character is essentially the Avengers coming in to save him. Well, the Avengers are off uh, doing some kind of you know big heavy thing that involves the, uh, the that involves the Watcher. <laughs> you know, they, Spider-Man's in that too, but just my yeah. That, my. You know, then they're like <laughs> Spider-Man, who is one of us. Go take care of your other things, and we will. Stay but, you, but but you know what I'm saying? How the hero of the book obviously takes a backseat to the Avengers and well, the, this new character. Well, it's, well you know, it, it's something similar, Brad, we've been pointing out on Fight Club, is that, you know, mm-hmm. you go back and look for, you know, a lot of the last several years. Spider-Man's just not that tough anymore. A lot of times other people, you know, up, you know show him up in his own book. Uh, he can't, The Spider-Man of today, you know, could he fight the entire Sinister Six alone? No, he has to call a phone a friend. No, he'd have the Avengers there with him. Uh, maybe, you know, Black Cat having to change her heart. Maybe she jumps in. Cindy Moon's got to be the, You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I remember the good old days when Spider-Man could just show up and whoop a man's ass. <laughs> and we don't have that anymore. No, we don't. Everything is, is other people have to be continually in there because Dan Slotch, Peter Parker, just isn't that effing interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, something else that I was thinking about was um, – because uh, you guys are talking about how hard they're pushing this character. And and mm-hmm. I'm not against, you know, uh, trying to introduce new characters. But, you know, Marvel, they, they just seem to, to, I don't know what it is, they just seem to forget how it doesn't work. Remember, you know, I'm thinking like Alpha and Jackpot. Yep. I mean, it's like whatever approach it is, guys, you're not, it's not working. Why do you keep doing it where you bring in this character and, 
you do the hard sell. You know, you don't make you don't make the character itself really interesting. You're just focused on the hard sell. The one that's working is Anna Maria, and they aren't p- pushing her hard sell. They're, Anna Maria is my slow, favorite character in here, and that's why she's working. Yeah. That's what because yes. she's an organic part of the story. Exactly. But here's the big here's the bigger problem, though. She's my favorite character. I like her more than Peter now. Yeah, that's a problem for the book. Mm-hmm. Or am I wrong, Jr. Well, I, she's the most interesting. There's so many of- problems with this book, though. I mean, that's. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, but yeah, the thing is, you know, yeah, she's she's more likable. She's smarter. You know, I mean, yeah. Pete, you know, Peter's, you know, she's the one that's she's the only one that's got any sense because Peter Peter can't keep his mitts off Cindy Moon. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I mean, and but you got to realize, you got to think. I mean, how weird is that? Okay, because remember, she this is someone for a while. This is someone she thought that she was actually used to date and was thought was figured out was going to marry her. And then realizes, oh, was it really Doc Ock? And now to see this guy who she thought was the man she loved making out with some other chick in the backseat of her car, it's like, I mean, what if you were, if somebody was also in that position, wouldn't that just be feel really just awkward as all get out? I well, mean, the the and I and I actually wrote this down as a con, but uh, Peter and Cindy's attraction is forced. Not only, and it, this is why it, for me, it, I realized today it was an allegory because. In, in the comic, their attraction is forced. They don't have any mm-hmm. choice in the matter. It's just it's inflicted upon them. Yeah, right? their attraction. Their spider, their spider sense is literally telling them, "Oh, start making babies." Right, but from a but from a what makes it an allegory and and, and what introduces a, a meta element in here is that we the reader are having it forced on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We the oh, reader yeah. are having it forced on us, and Marvel is pushing this. There used to be a time when Marvel would introduce a character. And then that character, you know, the, the, they, they wouldn't bring the character back. This is before the 90s. There was a right. time when they would have a character pop up. They would gauge reader reaction to it, and if people liked it, they'd, bring, they'd find a way to bring that character back and develop the popularity over time. What's an example? Uh, a good example would be um, – oh, well, I'm trying to think of Spider-Man specific examples. Uh, Silver Sable? So, yeah, Silver Sable is a good example. Silver, Puma? Silver Sable, uh, yeah, Puma. People obviously wanted more Puma because we, we got Puma back in the end of the stories. Black Cat? Um, I like, yeah, well, I don't know. She was a pretty big mainstay in Marv Wolfman's day. I think Marv Wolfman just wanted to have her in there, period. <laughs> um, but that there, but you know what I mean? Like, like early on, like in the 80s, that's how a character would get introduced. Now, on the flip side… Punisher. On the f- How about Punisher? Yeah, Punisher's a good example. Pu- Punisher's Punisher a great showed example. up in that yeah. costume, and people were like, oh, good goddamn, who's that? Bring him back. Bring him he back. He has yeah. to come back. Now, on the flip side, you know, in the 90s, if you were reading X-Men comics, you had Maverick. Remember how goddamn hard they pushed Maverick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and the, and, and the Wolverine story. I mean, suddenly he was popping up in every goddamn X-Men book. He had his own series. He wasn't really that interesting of a character. No, he wasn't. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I kind of ranted there no, no, that was good. I mean, that's it, it's it's not organic. Anna Maria is organic, and that's why she's appealing. Cindy Moon is being thrust upon us with the subtlety of a claw hammer to the back of the head. <laughs> it, it seems like the comics and the movies have that in common that they're pushing too much in. They're trying to cram too much sausage in the package. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh. well, you know what? You know how you make sausages. I don't you know, know how they do it much... there in Missouri, Jomo. Well, you put too much meat in the sausage casing. Mm-hmm. You know, 
the, there's the uh, I think we need to start could... over again. There's no way to rescue this one. <laughs> wow, the wheels are off. Yeah, uh, uh, YouTube, uh, how to make sauce? I have other cons. Here, I'll get us back. Oh, let me uh, take me back. Uh, now, con. Yeah, <laughs> con. <laughs> now, Mike has already mentioned. You know, auto solvent suddenly works on Silk's webbing. You know, which is in mm-hmm. no way similar to Peter's mechanical web or or manufactured webbing. Right. Somebody brought that up in the uh, comments. Well, auto has no frame of reference whatsoever for Silk. And and how to handle her webbing at all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otto doesn't even Otto didn't even know this character existed. Yeah. So suddenly his solvent magically works on her webbing. Um, also, why is her webbing her organic webbing suddenly insulated against electricity? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like she's always says. She literally just says, "Oh, I can make it do this," and it does it. Yeah. You know, I mean, mindful, like she could probably like say, "Oh, I can make my I let me I can make my living edible and it would work." Yeah, I mean, this is something that could happen in the '60s. You know, when somebody would pull some shit on Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange says, "Luckily, my eye makes me fire fire resistant," which was bullshit. That's just somebody throwing that in. Mm-hmm. You know, not realizing that you know there were going to be fans obsessing on every goddamn detail of the character forever. Yeah. You know, but th- I mean, that's that's what it is. It's it's like such a cheat. It was like you're fighting a guy without a control lightning. And lightning will kill you. Oh, so what's the – oh, well, suddenly uh, we found out that this person has insulated organic – or it's organic, and it's insulated. This is coming from her body, and it's insulated against electricity. Somebody <laughs> needs to slap dance slot with science. <laughs> Blinded with science. Anyhow, uh, so I had other cons um, – you know, it's still. Felice, I gave this, yeah. What's that? I, and, and you gave it a higher grade than me. Well, I, I almost gave this a D, but for me, the cover yeah. when you, I, for the first time ever, this is a this is a Spider-Man Cross Space podcast. First, I pulled okay. a Brad Douglas and bumped Uh-oh. bumped a book up because of the cover. Whoa! Because originally you judged a book by its originally cover? I gave this a D, but its cover okay. gave me a C because what do you have on the cover? You have Spider-Man, and I've mentioned this before. I, early on, earlier on in the show, and, and every now and then throughout, you know, the podcast that I've been on, um, what do you have on the cover? You have Spider-Man reading a magazine with Peter Parker mm-hmm. on the cover. Peter Parker, boy genius business. Bye bye Silicon Valley, the coolest Java something hidden behind his fingers. This is this to me. This is the death of the Brevard Manifesto. It's the unofficial delta, death of the Brevard Manifesto. Man, Brevard Manifesto says he's got to be poor. He's got to struggle with bills. He's got to, got to, you know, barely be able to keep a job. We we are we are so on the extreme from that, and that's a good that's a good thing because it lets you do other things. But at the same time, there was so much bullshit packed into that Brevard Manifesto, and I am I am saying it now. This cover is the unofficial death of the Brevard Manifesto, <laughs> which which they've been you know going against now for years in little ways anyway. But um, but no, the the other con I have uh, like when um. When when Felicia goes into the bar with no name, and they're all pissed off to see her, they're not upset because she used to be a crime fighter that used to put people like them in jail with Spider-Man. No, they're upset because she's working with Electro who killed their groupie. Yeah. <laughs> not the fact well, that, that she used and, to fight crime. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing about we haven't talked about yet, too, is that the whole thing with the Black Cat in this thing. I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, I know. Initially, in the start, you could argue that oh, she wants revenge against Spider-Man because she, you know, she got captured and died, had her tooth knocked out and sent to prison and didn't realize it was Spock. Yeah. But then we find out, okay, then 
that uh, Spidey tells her what, you know, it wasn't me, it was Doc Ock, and she goes, no, I don't care, I don't care, um, I, you ruined my street cred. Now in this issue, even though she gets her street cred back, she decides, why does she want to still kill Spidey? Oh, because our entire relationship ruined my, my life, and you're my bad luck charm. I mean, so it's literally just like, really just wanting to create, a, you know, have her to be a villain just because. At this point. Yeah. Hey, hey, Brad, I also had a uh, another con here real quick. <laughs> this, is, this, was, this was my last con. I'm the, the highest grade of the group has more cons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, you know the scene with, with, uh, with you know, they're going to reveal his identity on TV and everything. You've got the Daily sure. Google Newsroom. That first page, you know, you've got that one page, and then the second page is them reacting to Jonah and not Peter. So mm-hmm. the first page, you know, Jonah, Robbie is very much in character. Joni and Be- or Joni. <laughs> what about Chachi? <laughs> F off. Robbie and Betty are both in character. Jonah, how could you? Unbelievable. And on the next page, you have Robbie freaking out. Jonah, how could you not know you're blocking the shot? You know, and I'm like, this this felt. I'm like, and, and Jr. You may be like me. There was a time before all this brand new. I sincerely crap. hope not. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, you're more like than I am. <laughs> So congratulations. Well, at um, least I'm not, I'm not compared to European dictators. I will say that. I know, right? <laughs> so, so, but but now here's the thing, and Brad, you can back me up on this, and Mike, you can too. There was a time before all this brand new verse crap, before all the Civil War crap, you know, when when Robbie and when when everybody was back in the old status quo, where I was goddamn sure Robbie knew that Spider-Man was Peter. Yes. Oh, I, I mean, did too, yeah. it was it was like an unspoken thing. It was like the way that Commissioner Gordon knew that Batman was Bruce Wayne. Right. It was just. It was just. You know. No one ever said it. You just knew. Right. And and so this this rang so false with me, and and, and I guess after the mind wipe, you know, Robbie probably do, doesn't know anymore, or doesn't you know doesn't unofficially know or whatever. Right. But in in the past, he has been such a supporter of Spider Man. You know, he's he's been the counter to Jonah's insane the, crusade. The first time. First time I noticed that that Robbie kind of knew was Craven's last hunt. Yeah, I mean that 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 just kind of like I think he might. Know. And I love Why those little moments where like, yeah. and it's the same thing with Commissioner Gordon and Batman, where it's like I love that. I love them knowing, but it's not important. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's not important to their relationship, and it's it's almost better if they don't know, but they yeah. still do, and they're and they're helping you keep that keep that on the down low by not even telling you that they know. Um, because Robbie was one of the smartest guys in the damn book. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, now it's Anna Maria. So suddenly for Robbie to be freaking out going, oh, how could you not know you're standing right in front of the guy being unmasked? That that was like, uh, I didn't. Just just put in perspective, because uh, we gave pretty much, we gave D's and C's to this. If you go over to CBR, oh, oh, they gave yeah. it, they gave it three out of five stars, which is a 60%. Ooh. That's a D. Ooh. So they they graded this uh, book pretty low, also. Brad, yeah, was, um, I, I think turns, IGN kind of gave it about a six point something to, if I'm not mistaken. IGN also, okay. When yeah. the turns, I mean, I have to. I think it might have been a six point eight or something like that. I have to double. You know, okay. The cheese turns stinky. You can only mask it for so long, Brad. <laughs> but you know, I mean, when I go into the comic book shop, you know, I talk to those folks also, and yeah. and everyone there is the same. You know, they keep asking the same thing I do. Why was when they rebooted this? Did we not have a new writer? No. Did we not get a new writer? This that was the best time to bring something fresh in there. Yeah, a completely different way to go on things. 
However, if you look how many copies that damn number one sold, they did the right thing until we're at issue six. Well, I haven't been tracking you know? the sales for how things have gone since. It's still in the top ten, I think. Yeah. So let's move on. we got one more book before this hour is up. Uh, we've got uh, Amazing uh, 1.4, Learning to Crawl. Uh, I guess we've got one more issue after this, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay, and who's reviewing this one? Is it my? <laughs> Look at me, sigh. I'm sorry. Uh, I can tell you, <laughs> Mike, you've got this book, one, don't Brad. You? <laughs> you what? I can tell you already like this book, Brad, just from that reaction alone. Well, it, it, yeah, it's more the same. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you've got this one. Take me through it. All right. Well, we open up with um, with Peter. You know, he's saying life is going pretty well so far. I mean, he's. I mean, he occasionally dresses Spider-Man, but he doesn't do it as crime fighting. No, he. He does. He dresses as Spider-Man so he can so he can take um, compromising pictures of superheroes in in sort of slightly embarrassing moments, like the thing stacking cars, uh, Thor flying around with um, oh, what's her name? Um, drawing a mental blank on her. Um, you know the what? I'm drawing a mental blank on who is uh, who Thor's girlfriend is. Jane Foster. Jane Foster, yeah. yeah. In her in her classic, in her like a retro nurse's outfit, and Iron Man, you know, crushing metal uh, and giving it out to kids, and uh, and no, no Spider-Man picks, but he's still making money. And also, Peter's grades are going up. He's having he now has friends with the AV Club. He's got this. Um, he now has an internship with um, Doctor Cobwell, and if folks who remember. Dr. Cobwell, that goes all the way back to the original Amazing Spider-Man 2 um, in one of the backup issues involving the, when he met the terrible tinkerer and those quote-unquote aliens, but anyway. Yeah. And so he's finished, also finishing up his guidance counseling, counseling lessons, like, so he's just, oh, so, you know, he's feeling pretty good. And in the meantime, uh, Clayton Cole, uh, known as Clash, you know, he's still trying to get himself noticed, so he decides he's going to crash a rock concert. And maybe he doesn't like the uh, the band's or rendition of London Calling or something, so he decides to take him out. <laughs> and um, so then he's and so then he's flown around, and and of course he makes out some of the cops, and he's like, "Oh, I'm Clash and everything," and you know he's flying. I'm the Sovereign and Sound, and the audience boos him, but um, he takes off. And so so then Clash, so then uh, Clayton he goes back and looks on his computer laptop, see what the reaction is. Well. They all say that he's nothing more than a Spider-Man copycat, and he's a, you know he's just a poser. And then J. Jonah Jameson is on there, and he's ranting about how, oh, see, I told you this was going to happen. I told you there was going to be a kid trying to imitate Spider-Man and all this stuff. And so this makes Clayton all mad. Well, anyway, the next morning Peter is looking at the Daily Bugle newspaper, the Bugle, and seeing this. You know the editorial of uh, Jonas saying, "Oh, that Spider-Man is, you know, is inspiring all these copycats." And so he, and Aunt May kind of agrees with that. And so Peter's thinking, "You know what? Jonah and May are, and my aunt are right. I got to do something about this." And so he goes to the library at school to do some research about sound. And I guess Reed Richards has donated a bunch of these plans because he, because Peter happens to find happens to find working plans. For an anti-sonic emitter somewhere in this library that was just stashed away there, just you know, 
course, of course it was. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, he was just asking. Yeah, oh, yeah. What, what's this doing? This this helps my problems for the rest of the book. That's right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but he realizes this thing is way too expensive to make. So he decides to, quote, unquote, borrow a few uh, bits and pieces from one, from one, uh, from one uh, Dr. Uh, Cobwell's uh, lab and also from the AV Club uh, storage. So he steals. What? Yeah, he, he steals. Yeah. Our hero steals. He plans, of course, but I plan to pay for this for the stuff back. Well, okay. unfortunately, and also the fact that Peter Spireson didn't go off conveniently enough, um, Flash sees this, and so then anybody then then anyway, Peter builds his device. Now, I'm not sure how I can describe what he builds without getting a little too R-rated, actually. But <laughs> let's just say that. Um, it, it, it could have been a different shape, could it not? Yeah, it, let's just say that if you typed in the word, if you did a Google search of magic wand and forgot <laughs> to put the you put the um, the parallel yeah. controls on there. You're saying he stole this from Spider Man? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very unsure. It's just a very unfortunate looking shape in this thing. Yeah, so, and you got to plug it in. Yes, oh, that was yes. on purpose, dude. That was so. <laughs> Yeah, well, especially considering what it actually does in the book. But anyway, so then he goes. So then Peter. I think goes, it vibrates, doesn't it? Uh yeah. I okay, guess there you go. That. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. Anywho, um, so, <laughs> Peter takes, so Peter takes his little uh, <clears throat> toy um, and goes to the um, goes to the Daily Bugle uh, because he wants to get to try to see if he can find any more, um, you know, information. I guess. Um, Information there. And then he got, apparently this is when he meets Betty Brant for the first time. Yeah, that seemed off. Yeah, which was kind of like, oh, so he's kind of, you know, so the nice little thing. Didn't they actually have a first meeting at in the Bugle in the original Ditko? Actually, no. They I didn't. I went back and looked that up, and technically they didn't. All right, all right then. Okay. So, so yeah, your... so technically this is, so that, you know, so it canonically kind of fits. So anyway, he so Peter's in, the, in Jonah's office, and he's like, oh, you know, and... While he's in there, that's when Clash arrives, and he's decided, "Oh, I'm going to take, I'm going to get my, I didn't like what jo- what you Jonas said about me." So he tries to take him out, and um, and then while he's fighting everything, Peter takes this opportunity to quickly change into Spider-Man and to plug in his little <clears throat> anti-sonic emitter device, <laughs> you know, because it's got a you know, you know, battery charge thing. So, so then, so then. Flash is about to actually go as far as to kill Jonah when Spidey jumps in and to sort of distract him so he distract him so he has enough time for this for his little device to charge and he starts, you know, to swing the things and everything and Jonah's thinking, Oh, I knew it, I knew you two guys were in cahoots and you know, Spidey webs his mouth shut and everything. So then as they're fighting, if his old, you know, device, his little anti-sonic emitter toy thing device, is fully charged, so then he turns it on, and it counteracts against Clash's um, sound waves, like it's, you know, feedback. Well, unfortunately for Spidey, Clash kind of figures out what this thing is, so he readjusts his frequency, and this causes the little rod of power to short out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that should be a super villain, the rod of power. <laughs> and, oh. uh, and then anyway, you know, so and as a result, it causes all everybody, you know, and then so 
So the class takes this opportunity to escape, and and Peter's like, wow. oh, my gosh, I've been out science. That's never happened to me before. And Clash is thinking, wow, I may, I just beat Spidey. I can't believe it. You know, I made him look like a chump. And then Jonah's going to Spider-Man, you know, I thought you were meant, but now I know what you really are. You're a loser. You're a joke. And you're a has-been. And so Peter and so Spidey's thinking, yeah, maybe you're right. And so he swings off. And then things get even worse. He goes back to, to, the, to the principal who has accused Peter of, who, you know, he says, you know, we, we got a little tip that you were stealing stuff. So, yeah, you got, you're in trouble there. The AV Club, they've also got a win to this, and so they've ostracized him. Uh, the guidance counselor, you know, he says, oh, they're, when he's phoning Aunt May, he's saying, oh, there's no reason for him to come back in. Um, he also, Beer loses his internship with Dr. Cobwell. Then on top of that, he also gets fired from the Daily Bugle because he doesn't, didn't have any pictures of the fight between Spidey and Clash. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, he kind of did it all down on himself. Peter goes to... Uncle Ben's grave, and he says, you know, and he basically says, I couldn't, that tells him, I couldn't stop him, I can't stop him, and on the top of that, I left everyone down, I let you down, I don't know what to do, and I'm sorry, and then that's when the issue ends, and to be concluded next time. What's your grade, sir? Um, I actually gave this an A-. minus. Okay. Yeah. Um, you want to wait? Well, no, let's go around the horn. Okay. Uh, Jr. Your grade C, and George B minus C minus out of me. Okay, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. What's your pros? Well, my pro is um, on the one hand, I think we because this is something we talked about last time. Um, whereas in the amazing, with the regular current uh, Amazing Spider-Man, where it just feels like Slot is really just doing a disservice to Peter Parker as a character, it's strange here. Here. I kind of felt like it was like he had a better handle on who he was when he's showing him acting like a teenager when he's a teenager. Because, and the thing that struck me, because when you mentioned the fact about how he's actually stealing stuff from the lab and everything. Well, in a way, it's actually kind of, to me, it's a little bit more, yeah, it's, it's wrong, but it's a little bit more understandable because the fact that in the story, Peter is still a young, is still is still kind of, what, 15, 16 years old. And so he's still in the process of, you know, trying to figure out what is the right thing. And so when he does make a mistake like this, it's more, you're more, you're more tolerant to forgive him. And you're more kind of understanding where he comes from. Whereas if he did something like this when he was an adult, then, you know, there would be no tolerance whatsoever. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that, um, that one story where he was faking photographs um, when he was working with, J- with Jonah, like that story with the Mark Wade wrote, and right. how, yeah, it was kind of thing. But here, so, and that's what, so I think in some ways this almost kind of felt like um, that if Slot was as Slot was writing Spidey as still like in this kind of in this high school setting and still kind of like still kind of being in this adolescent stage, that he would have a much better handle on who the character is as opposed to what he is now. Um, also, I kind of like a little bit of the art. I think it's a little bit, you know, uh, Raymond Perez's um, kind of has that sort of, he does kind of kind of a little bit, has a little bit, captures a little bit of the ridiculous vibe, but there's a little bit of, there's still a little bit of his own style in there. So, you know, I think it's kind of, you know, I kind of, think, I mean, I understand that some people feel like, oh, this is kind of a, you know, it seems like a bit of a throwback, a little bit, a little bit of a flashback thing, and, but 
I think story, and so far I think standing on its own, I think it's actually, you know, if you look at it in that context, I think it's, a, I actually think it's a pretty good, so far it's a pretty good story and everything, a little bit, you know, an expansion upon uh, the original source material a little bit. And best of all, it didn't have, it didn't have to, it, it kept all the stuff where, like, in, you know how in the previous two issues, it, like, had that little big lawn interlude of, of what happened in, like, issue, you know, two or one and everything. You didn't have that here. So I think that's, um, yeah. Let's go around for pros. What did you like, JR? Nothing. Uh, George, what did you like out of the book? Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed um, the fight scenes. Just like the last issue, I, I did like the fight scenes a great deal. Uh, this artist, uh, Ramon Perez, um, does a really good job with the action while trying to marry it in, in a style from the past. Mm-hmm. You know, He does a really good job on that. And I'm not familiar with his work other than this, so I don't know if he's – because his faces are weird, and I don't know if it's because he's trying to ape the fact that Ditko's faces were weird. You know, also, I, I, I don't yeah. – I'm not really sure on that, but his fight scenes are really good. He's he's a very competent artist, um, and um, that's that was my only pro. I agree. I think the art is the only good thing. The, the Alex Ross cover is great. The interior is very good, too. Uh, cons, uh, go around the horn for cons. Let me say this off the top. I think JR uh, mentioned it last month about this book. Who is this written for? Is it written for fans who've already read the, the classics, like our, this panel? Mm-hmm. Or is it written for the next generation? I kind of feel like I yeah, that's kind of the one I do kind of feel the thing that this is since this is part was coming out at the same time as the relaunch of Amazing Spider Man, I'm mm-hmm. kind of wondering if one of the goals of this was to try to sort of reintroduce um readers to the to him and the same way that chapter one tried to do when which uh, but well, but unlike chapter one this is but this is actually, you know, better crafted, so that's kind of my take yeah. on it a little bit. I just don't know who the book is aimed for. Do you guys? I, I think it's probably aimed at people who aren't as familiar with Spider-Man or, or who don't go back decades like uh, like all of us do yeah. with the character. Um, you know, newer readers, readers maybe who have only been reading for three or four years. People who haven't seen funeral scenes or, or see scene, you know, ha- who haven't seen uh, stuff like Peter at Uncle Ben's grave. Oh, I don't know, eighty trillion times yeah. before they see J- it in this comic. Jr., do you think this book is just oddly placed? Who who it's aimed for? Well, <laughs> I don't think it's us because we've read these stories. Essentially, this is this is just putting new new little nuggets into old. I, 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 I almost think you, that you might be overthinking it by thinking it is targeted at anybody as just another, as opposed yeah. to being just another. They're trying to force another new character down our throat. Because here I here I was saying you know when you were getting around the cons I was going to say that my big con here is that Clash is just simply not an interesting enough character to maintain to be the the villain throughout a five issue miniseries. I mean, I he's, I'm bored. He's absolute. I mean, his motivations are all petulant. You know, I mean, Spider-Man yep. dissed me, or somebody didn't give me credit, or someone said that I copied Spider-Man, therefore I'm a supervillain. I mean, that's the that's the Electro motive in the Amazing Spider-Man yeah, 2 movie. It's dumb. I'm, je- I'm jealous. Yeah, but in the 1960s, that was a lot of the villains. <laughs> well, I mean, and the thing that, to be fair, the whole idea with behind Clash is that he is supposed to be 
kind of like a mirror image of Peter. So, I mean, if you really think about it, the Peter in those early stories was kind of more of a petulant kind of, you know, a little bit on the whiny side. So this is essentially, basically the way I look at Clash is sort of like, okay, what if Peter kind of came from a more privileged background? And that's kind of what you see with the, with the, with the character, I think, a little bit. So, But it's, it's boring. It's absolutely yeah. boring. You know. I agree with Jr. He doesn't warrant a five-issue miniseries. It, it makes me wonder if we're not going to be like after Spider Verse is over, if they're not going to bring him into Amazing. Oh, gonna, they are. They they, oh, yeah, no, they will. But I don't know if like he's going to be a villain or if he's going to be you know the the new anti-hero du jour that's going to have to be paired up with Hawkeye and Hawkeye's new ongoing. No, what they'll what he'll probably do like is since considering how Black Cat is now the queen of crime. She'll have uh, him as one of his one of her new recruits or something. That's, I, that, that's very plausible. Yeah, that's that's a very good. You you, you heard it here first. <laughs> I think that's very plausible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and any final thoughts on this issue? Before, uh, I do uh, have actually up? one con about this, and I think okay. it, and I think it does. I mean, even though I did like it um, overall better than you guys did. Um, the yeah. one sore spot for me, and this maybe this is coming from the fact that I, I'm, I did read a lot of the uh, the old uh, Stan Lee's Ezekiel issues, but chronologically, this issue is taking place before Amazing Spider, the original Amazing Spider-Man three, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, well, the aliens was two. No, I know so that, but it's I'm right around there. But, but yeah, but if that's the case, then that means that. It's not Dr. Octopus who gives Spidey his first humiliating defeat. It's Flash. Uh, because if you remember, if you go back, way back in that, if you go back and read that issue, because, you know, how, you know, how is he, it's, um, it's Doc Ock who not only just defeats Spider-Man, he just completely curb stomps him and just, you know, kind of humiliates him and by hanging up in his arms and gives him a little, little slap across the face and throws him out the window. And, that's when Peter really lost all of his confidence and saying, "Oh my gosh, this is never, you know, how this has never happened to me before." Well, now. So you think it? T- you t- think that this this little insert of continuity takes away from that classic? Yeah, story. it takes. I mean, that yeah. was my biggest misgiving about this because now, as you yeah. have like with Clash, now you have this new character who's essentially now officially he's now the first dot villain to to, to give Spidey a humiliating defeat. And I think that takes away a lot from Doc, you know, what kind of makes them take away a lot from Doc Ock's stature, if you will. So that was kind of a little bit of a, you know. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, that was a little, you know. Well, that's the best written slot villain he's ever done. I got one thing to say about this, Brad. Okay. Um, when was it exactly, when was it first mentioned in ASM? That Betty and Peter were actually roughly the same age, but that she had left high school. She had quit school and gotten a job. I go, Jr. You know this one. Uh, no, I don't actually. Oh. <laughs> okay, but I mean, we know that that's happened. Yeah. We, yes. But we don't know yeah. when that was. Okay. Well, here's the thing. If this is meant for new readers, then they have no context for that. And then Peter just got hit on by the office professional. <laughs> who presumably, without that knowledge, is an adult hitting on the young, nerdy high school kid. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs>